Welcome, welcome, Honey Bunny, to another episode of Where Are We Now, where I, Riv Correa, is connect, chat, and kiki with fellow folks who grew up in that sweet spotlight, sweet spotlight, ooh, (laughs) I am fully vaccinated, y'all, I'm so excited, I feel free, I feel a sense of freedom, it's cool to have universal healthcare, universal healthcare rocks, (laughs) we love to see it. I had a really bad reaction to the vaccine. I like was out for two and a half days. The first day I like got it and then was fine. But then I slept for like 15 hours, which I never do. I never allow myself rest. And I let myself rest for 15 hours. And then the next day I woke up, I was feeling fine. I was just like, wow, it's like really just my arm hurts. And then I got a lot of work done. I like recorded a solo episode for this show, for my Patreon only, which you can join if you want to join my Patreon, John. I don't know where this Moira Rose came from, but we're leaning into it, David. (laughs) Oh my God. Anyway, after I recorded stuff for Patreon, like my body shut down. I just like fell a fucking part. And I was out. I was out for the count. My body felt like it had a hangover. I was deceased. I had passed away. I had left the building. But I'm back in action now, baby. I'm back. And without further ado, let's get down to it. Oh my goodness, y'all. So before we get started, this chat with my guest does contain some mentions of sexual assault and abortion and self-harm because my guest was on a very fun and lighthearted TV show from Canada called Degrassi, The Next Generation. You might recognize her from that. You might recognize her from Cadet Kelly. You might also recognize her from her amazing web series, Black Actress, which is on YouTube. Please give a warm welcome to your ears, Andrea Lewis. Pew, 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 pew. Everyone, welcome to your ears, Andrea Lewis. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) I just finished watching the interview with Jennifer Lewis on Black Actress. And uh, like, I just love what you're doing with that show. Like, it's just so incredible. Thank you. Thanks so much. (laughs) Thanks for watching. Of course. I want to ask you about that process of like how that web series came together. Like, where were you when you decided that you wanted to create that like in your career? I had just done a movie with Nickelodeon, movie of the week, and the experience was unique, is what I'll say. It was like a unique experience in the sense of, I think I was just kind of over it. I had had already been in this process in my life where I was like always kind of like the only Black girl in a cast or sometimes always on a set even. It's like you would very much be just kind of uniquely alone. But I also grew up in the suburbs, so I'm kind of used to being in spaces like that. That wouldn't ever really uh, phase me, truthfully. But I was kind of at a place where I was at the end of my tolerance of microaggressions and that kind of experience. And I had been in the business since I was a little kid, and, and I know lots of actresses, famous ones, people just starting, people coming out of theater school. I just know the gamut. And the thing that I've seen across the board for Black actresses was, one, it was like you were a part of a club being a Black actress, because we all have this very similar experience. We're just Black women in the world who are on a set or sometimes, like I said, isolated, all of these things. So it was like, yay, oh my gosh, I love seeing this person. And you notice them on TV. But then at the exact same time, you were, we're all like fighting to just be seen as like regular people in a script, just like humans. 
And oftentimes the script is a reflection of how they see you. And it could be like exaggerated stereotype or not really developed or just all of these different things. And so within this project, like I said, I had dealt with a lot of microaggressions and then the cast themselves was also treating me that way. And I realized though that I was like, if you really didn't grow up with people of color or just in a diverse world, and you were also basing it on these scripts as an actor, yeah, this is would be the only way that you would think to treat somebody. Naturally for me though, I like to just think of things as a little bit serious, but then a little bit comedic because I also think it's, you know, the absurdity of it is interesting to me. So that was the day then, I guess once we wrapped that project, I decided I wanted to make something on the Black actress experience in general. I'm a big fan of mockumentary and docu-style meets scripted. I just like that in general. So that's kind of how it started. I was sitting on it for years and then I moved to New York and I went to this event that had all these Black filmmakers talking about going to the web to make their projects because they weren't able to be greenlit by a studio or just people not seeing the value in their stories. Yeah. And then at the time I was in a relationship and my partner was like, you should just make it a web series. Cause he knew about this idea that I had. I talked about it. Like I had always just talked about it. Like, Oh, I one day want to make this thing. And I think when you're in this process, you have these grand ideas, but you don't know necessarily when you're going to do them. And sometimes you're like waiting. You're like, Oh, well, yeah, no, I'm not ready yet. Or when I'm eventually, or, and I was kind of doing that with black actors. I was just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then I think in moving to New York and meeting artists that were just doing is what made me say, yeah, I'm just going to do. And that's how it came about. That's how it started. That's incredible. <laughs> it's it's such a good series. It's so fun. It's so funny. And like, while I can't speak to the Black experience, like I, I definitely know like a lot of my friends that are Black that are in theater and in film get a lot of that like classic, like, oh, the, the you're the urban type, like mm-hmm. in, in auditions and in, you know, the spaces. So when BIPOC and, and, you know, queer people and trans people, like when we get to make our own stuff from like telling our story rather than like letting some like white cis people like tell our story, it's just, we get to take our power back. Like we get to take control of the narrative. And I think that black actress does that in such a beautiful way while also still being really funny. Yeah. It is truly like wild some of the shit that like people say to actors in their rooms and and just like even like friends who are like outside of the industry who are kind of ignorant like and they just like say things that it's like wait that's not how it's not how it works yeah I think that's (laughs) the thing is it's like I, I kind of realized that as I said where it's like this project that I did the thing that was highlighted for me was just really in the ignorance of the people that were around me and really not knowing. And why would they know? There's no education for them. There's nothing for them to actually have to learn someone else's experience. I had a really unique moment specifically on that set where one of the actors was introducing everybody to his manager. And when he got to me, he was like, and this is Andrea, she's our urban one. And I was the only person that he did that. And I was just like, why did he say that? But, you know, it was awkward, not only for me, but for everybody else around that had any kind of awareness of anything else, right? Just being a different person. <laughs> well, when people say that, that's how they see you. Yeah. They, it's like, that's how the, the story, that's how the script is being written. And it's also how the person sees you. And that's fucked. A hundred percent. And so that's why I'm like, for me, especially where all the Black women that I know had such unique experiences in life and were not necessarily you know, that they were actresses. Like, so yeah, if a script does call for them to be something that's, I guess, within the stereotype of what you think a Black woman is, that's not necessarily how they are in real life. That's just them like putting on a character. And and so, yeah, that this actor, I just think that is really what opened my eyes. It is like, yeah, media plays such a huge role in this that even actors within your own business who understand that a script is written and has all these things that somebody else had to make up, but could still look at the people around them and be like, no, she's the urban one, right? Like, that's why that's why she's in this because, so it's like, yeah. But it is like you said, it's taking your power back. It's understanding that in order for to see a change, you actually have to be the thing to show people like, this is how we'd like to be seen, or this is how we're going to take control of the narrative or 
whatever it is you think, you know, somebody is saying to you about how they think you are. It's trying your best to take control. And I, I think for me, within this business, the more I've worked on taking control of it, the easier it's been for me overall in terms of the pursuit of entertainment. Amazing. Who are who are some of the Black actresses and actors that you're like watching right now that you're like, oh, like, fuck, I'm so excited for them. Calvin Harris Jr. He's in Loose. He was in Waves. He's in everything, honestly. I think he's just incredible. I think he's honestly just such an amazing young actor. And, and I'm super excited for him. Coco Jones. I really like Coco Jones. She was on a Disney show and, and I watched her in Vampires vs. the Bronx. I might be like butchering that name, but it's on Netflix. And I just think she's great. And I'm excited for her growth or or where she goes. Yeah, I'm like, there's so many actresses. I'm trying to think of the name of her right now. She was in Little Fires Everywhere. She plays Pearl, Lexi Underwood? Yes, her. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah, I just yeah. love her. And I really enjoyed watching her in Little Fires Everywhere. She reminds me of myself. I'm like, she's super tiny, but it's like, I just was like, oh, look at her. Just look at her go. Yeah. Um, so there's so many little young actresses She right just now. got cast as Malia Obama in I the know. new uh, Showtime <laughs> show. That's I know. That's so cool. So honestly, there's tons. And it's like, I'm, I watch television or films like that, where I'm always looking for the minority characters, just because I know how hard this pursuit is. And so if you're in anything where you're getting to be a significant character or an insignificant character, it's, I just know the work. And so I'm like, I'm rooting for them every single last one. Yeah, I, I had an experience recently that was like really, I don't know, it was really cool. Like I, I never, I'm half Filipino and I never go in for like Filipino roles, like ever. I got called in for one and it was like literally one of those roles where it's like, oh, this character is like Filipino American and has like a working knowledge of Tagalog, but is kind of in an assimilated family. And I'm like, wow, like I see myself in this character for once rather than it being like either a stereotype or just like me getting called in for like a white girl, which happens more often. And like, I was going to say, what do you normally go in for? What do they typically cast you for? I mean, typically I go in for the roles that are like any ethnicity okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because they see my last name Reyes and they're like, okay, but is <laughs> is that person Latinx or are they, I don't know what they are. We're just going to go with the any ethnicity. Open ethnicity, please give me the Anything ambiguous. but white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The characters tend to be like, you know, typically like girls with daddy issues and, and, you know, or some kind of trauma, which is really fun. But then this one was like a lighthearted, like kid. I mean, I love being called in for a 17 year old. Like that's, that's <laughs> really nice at, at 28. Um, but then I had this moment where I submitted my self tape and then my team got back to me and they were like, can you include at the end of the video that you're half Filipino? And I was just like, why? the role calls for a Filipino character. So why would you guys submit me if I wasn't Filipino? Like, and in my mind, of course, I took that moment to be like, well, they don't see me as Filipino enough. And like, it, it just, I internalized it super hard. I mean, what's so weird about the business is it's, it's very literal. So you as the person, yes, I would easily have that same reaction as you. Like, what the heck? I am this thing. Why are you even at, like, isn't it obvious from the thing, from my actual video? But Casting needs it to be so literal. They need they you need to say to like, clear. yeah, <laughs> like I am the following things. And yeah, they need, I've, I've been seeing that lately with voiceover, voiceover submissions, voiceover auditions, voiceover callbacks. They like need to see you now to make sure you're the thing and that you actually check the boxes and to what extent. And, and I just think it's so interesting because that wasn't even like not even last year did they even care <laughs> to see you at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I definitely have gone in for things like voiceovers that were for like tequila companies where they were like, we want a like sassy sounding. It, they didn't say Latinx. They didn't say, you know, like native Spanish speaker or anything like that. We want somebody that sounds sassy and like authentic. Like and of course, in my mind, I read that with a little wink. <laughs> and then, of course, 
when I read the copy and I send it in, I'm like, Hornitos tequila. Like, and they're like, no, we, we meant sassy. And I was just like, okay, so I know what you want me to do. And I'm actually not going to do that. So, <laughs> sorry. We meant spicy. We need a little bit of spicy yeah. on this thing. Yeah. That's I not authentic that. to me. No. <laughs> but it's interesting that you talk about that because you played Hazel on Degrassi, who, and I've seen a lot of, I mean, this whole podcast for me has been like really fun because I get to go and watch things that I loved when I was a kid and a teenager and stuff. And then I get to critique them from the place of like, okay, it's 2021. I had somebody that was on Hannah Montana and I watched an episode where there was like a really off color, like Trump joke in there that was like, oh, Donald Trump, my idol. One of the characters. And it was like, obviously before any of us knew anything was going to happen with (laughs) that. But I was watching a couple episodes of Degrassi and I was just like, wow, like Hazel really was the black friend. Like, and that really fucking sucks. Like literally, I mean, in the title sequence, it's literally two women of color carrying Paige. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it actually is. It's literally you and, and Cassie. Cassie Steele, yeah. <laughs> carrying Paige. And I was just like, what a what a fucking, what a metaphor. <laughs> what a, like, <laughs> sad and very, like, you know, reflective of the time mm-hmm. metaphor. Yeah. But what I love about Hazel is that they gave her the, the storyline of being a Muslim and and that episode, I remember being one of the first ones that I ever saw that I was just like, wow, like this is like really controversial work that y'all are doing. And I always wondered, like, did you guys have like an onset therapist or something like that? Or were you just like babies doing these traumatic scenes? Truthfully, we were just babies doing traumatic scenes. It's like only now would I advise a set to have something like that. But I think at those times... Yeah, they really didn't process, one, that we were children and that that would even be needed. I think also because it's such a weird thing being a child actor. In one respect, people really genuinely treat you like an adult. Like you are full-fledged, a little business. You're just an adult. And your your day-to-day existence is, is not like your friends in the sense of that you have a whole other set of sacrifice and a whole other skill set that you've learned like very early that nobody else around you knows. And, but then at the exact same time, you're also like treated very much like a kid. You're like super spoiled. You know, it's like, I always think about like my idea of like being on Degrassi was like, we'd like all order grilled cheese, like all of us at like one time. Like, so it's like, you know, you're literally, that's a kid, like 14 children showing up to craft services and being like, we'll have a grilled cheese now. Like that's where you're like, yeah, none of us are thinking. We're not thinking about what she has to do. We're not thinking about anything. It's just like one person said it. And yes, all of us would like it right now. And so it's like this duality between adulthood and then like truly immaturity. And I think, at least for me, I know that I did not process most of the stuff that we were tackling in the show in the sense of like what it actually was or would be. I remember the one thing that was discussed, like there was the Manny character was going to have an abortion episode and that was like not allowed at the time to be shown in the States. So we were going to have it in Canada, but they were not going to show it in the U.S. And I remember them talking about that with us. And I think even then all of us were like, oh, OK, like, oh, I don't know why, but all right. <laughs> like not not really processing, I think, what it was. And I honestly just think it's because most of the cast, we were living more of a child actor life versus a real high schooler's life or just somebody who might have been going through the things that our characters were going through. So, yeah, only as an adult have I been able to I recognize what some of the episodes could have been for people or how they could have related to them or how they could have seen them. But at the time, oh my God, definitely not. At the time, no. You're just like a little tiny baby girl that's just like doing her work <laughs> more than anything. Yeah. D- Degrassi is one of the ones for me that I, I was just like, I mean, we didn't even have the end at like our house. So when we would spend the summer Uh, My family and I would spend the summer sometimes with, like, my Lolo and Lola, my grandparents Mm -hmm. on my mom's side. They had every channel on the TV. So I would just (laughs) binge watch Degrassi on the end. And, like, just, I mean, I was, like, 
snorting TV at this point. Like (laughs) we didn't have cable like that. We didn't have like good cable like that where we got all the channels like, and it was of course during the summer when there wasn't school to focus on. And I was also like, you know, in school and like intense guitar classes and stuff like that. So I don't know. It was like my release. They would also show marathons. They were like, here, in case yes, you are watching. Here's your trauma. Here's here your you trauma card. <laughs> here's like, so that was often, I think. And that's like, a, I think that's a trick now that I realize it. I think people don't realize that's happening, but they're, here's a marathon. Like, get into this. Not just one episode at a time. Like, go on, go ahead, watch the entire season. And so I know a lot of people that had that experience where they're like, I didn't get to see it, but I saw it in the summer. And next thing I knew, and I'm like, yeah, that that's very common. It's very normal. <laughs> I just remember like, wanting to be you guys so badly. <laughs> I, I was, I think, maybe in like sixth grade when I started watching Degrassi. Mm-hmm. And like, it was when I was starting to feel like attraction to mm-hmm. people for the mm-hmm. first time. Boys, girls, I mean, seeing Alex and Paige together was like crucial for me because I had never seen that. Like, yeah. especially like young, like actors, you yeah. know, actors being that. And also too feminine, like type, you know, lesbians yeah, on the show. Cause I'd true. only seen like, it, you know, be, like lesbians are butch and it's like one lesbian and they're by themselves. <laughs> like that yeah. was the only, you know, <laughs> and then anytime it was like a bisexual character on TV, it was always like a feminine girl who like was by for a couple episodes. And then she like went back to a guy. <laughs> or it was like a phase, you know, there, there were just so many storylines on the show, like Ellie with the self-harm and stuff. I had been through some self-harm stuff. And like when Ellie's character says something along the lines of like, it was the only pain I could control. I was just like, wow. Like, so this is my therapy now. And so Degrassi, like watching like these characters live through these experience, like, Instead of taking that as, like, a warning, which is, like, what I think a lot of, like, kids probably were, like, oh, wow, I'm, like, never going to, like, do that, like, unprotected so I don't get gonorrhea like Emma. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) My experience of it was, like, wow, like, these characters are doing the things that I am already doing and, like, I felt like validated in like shitty behavior essentially and like toxic and dangerous self-destructive behavior, which is like super scary. That's kind of what media or television does though, truthfully. I think it either will say to you, okay, lesson learned, I won't be mimicking that. Or it's confirming of something you're already actively doing. And And romanticizing it. Yeah, to an extent, exactly. Because it's got to be wrapped up in a bow in one episode or three episodes, however many, you know, storylines you're going to cover this thing with versus somebody's real life doesn't necessarily go like that. No, they're not going to just like, oh, well, yeah, now that I've said this out loud, I'm not doing it anymore. Like that doesn't always happen. So that makes sense to me if you were a kid watching it, that you would be either going down that path or not. It's it's honestly one or the other. For the cast, as us really being in high school at the time, yeah, I think most of us felt a little more innocent than the characters and the stuff that the characters were, were dealing with. I remember when Lauren, when that storyline came up that Paige would be with Alex. And I remember the only thing I asked Lauren was just like, have you ever kissed a girl before? That was it. That was, I was like, have you ever kissed a girl? She was like, no, but I think it should be fine. And then it was like, that was all we talked about. We didn't discuss anything more. And that's, I think, the innocence of, of us at the time being in this storyline of behaving like this on television, but in real life, our conversations were like, I don't even know, Britney Spears. We were the most innocent of convos. And I think sometimes when I tell people that, like fans of the show, that it was therapy for the viewer, but for the actors, you're like, we're going to go to the mall later. Um, hopefully we can go shopping. <laughs> like, sometimes after they're shooting like a yeah, fucking like, like school shooting scene and then going to the mall afterwards. It's insane. I love it. Yeah. You're just like, uh, we're actors like that at the, at the end of the day, the set in itself was not a heavy set. It was not dark. It was, it was like very light. And so despite filming these things that were heavier in nature, I think you could have easily found moments to, to separate it, to be like, this is on set. And then as soon as I go back to my dressing room, I can lighten up because I don't, I don't have to wear it essentially. And I think that in itself, whether they had intended for that or not, the producers, I couldn't tell you, but 
that's probably why the experience didn't feel so heavy for the actors was because our environment in itself was actually fairly light with the cast. That's my memory is like oftentimes we were always together. We had lots of spaces in our set that we could all just kind of hang out. And so as heavy as this stuff would be, where I always tell people like the heaviest were some of the heavy ones. Like I remember when doing the page in Hazel's story where she was raped and that talking about that, I remember thinking like how heavy of a story this was. And I really didn't know anybody that had experienced this or at least talked about it in such a way, you know, but at the exact same time, like Lauren and I were just like normal girls that were like friends. So it was like, you do the scene and then you kind of like walk off. And I think that's what being a child actor sometimes is, is in one respect, you, your brain can turn on like acting now, scene now, emotions now, and then off. I now get to go home. I'm not this person. I don't have to live in this thing, but it's hard for people to understand that. Do you find that that helps you as an adult, like with doing more heavy stuff now that you're able to take care of yourself when you're doing heavier scenes? Definitely. And I have a better understanding of how to access those type of things or empathize immediately. Like if you are not somebody who has experienced whatever it is that you're portraying, you don't have to be the kind of person that's like, okay, now I immediately got to go do this thing or I've got to like do endless research. I know a lot of actors that make that mistake, my, myself included. Like I had a character, an audition for a character who used like cough syrup as a drug. And I was just like, well, I have to know what this feels like for the character. <laughs> like, and of course that, you know, now in, you know, I've got like three years of sobriety, which is like beautiful. And like when I go in for things now where the character is either like a junkie or like, you know, a character is drunk I'm able to actually play it a lot better than I was when I was drinking because I like, I just know that when I was drunk, I wanted anything but to be sober. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's like an easier thing to play than like just being actually drunk and like trying to remember lines. (laughs) I think the thing is with that happened to me, child actor into adulthood was just, I, I could access my empathy. Like I just had a better handle on it and knowing how to observe people in a way that could help my craft and could help my art versus thinking I've got to experience everything. It was more so in understanding why somebody would feel this way or why they would do this behavior and not just kind of the surface of it. And when you're a teen and you're playing these roles, for the most part, it's kind of surface because you don't know anything about it. You haven't lived enough life to really know what's happening, which is why I think Degrassi, yes, in some ways, like displayed it the way teenagers really do think. It's just like crazy and wild and making choices that you're like, why? Why would they do that thing? But as an adult for me, yeah, I've never felt the need to ever do the thing if I've ever gone for a character that was, you know, doing something destructive. It's more so I've just been able to have a really good understanding of um, being empathetic, putting myself in somebody's shoes, not from the torturous thing that they're doing, but from the mental health aspect of it, of like, why would they feel this way that would make them do that thing? And, um, And I think that's just character in general. That's just understanding a character. It's like, why are they saying hi like that? Why are they going down that street? Why are they, and how can you backtrack this story in such a way that you can actually relate to it and not just kind of be fake in the funk walking through it, like as if you think you know what you're doing. Yeah, I think that's why none of us really were like fucked up. <laughs> like Everybody was just so normal on the set. I'm like, I could be crazy, but I really, every person was just like, we were happy with each other. So even when you were doing very serious things, you you still had a good time with each other, so... I love talking with people who worked on shows or movies with like a bunch of kids, like because that experience is so unreal to have that like built in kind of unit of or like ensemble or band or like whatever it is. And I just think that it's so beautiful and you can really see like in Degrassi and in Cadet Kelly, like, and, and, you know, other projects, like how much fun you guys were having and like how much you guys just like love each other. (laughs) And that's truly beautiful. Did you have young, like, Muslim Black girls, like, reaching out to you and stuff, like, saying, like, oh, my God, I felt so seen? After, you know, it was funny is because after 
I felt like anywhere I went, if I met one East African girls, Eritrean, Somalian, Ethiopian, they were just hype and excited. And it was interesting because I'm not an East African, but it's almost like after that moment, I felt ownership. I felt like just kind of like a, oh, well, like now I have to protect this group in my own way. So I'm always like, I, I genuinely like that attachment. Like, I really do, because I always was received very kindly. The storyline in itself, when I look back on it now, I understand what they were doing, but I also think it was mishandled because it was, like, just thrown on, if that makes any sense. I think if you were really going to tackle that dead seriously, you should tackle it. Because that's a real thing. There are people really living like that, and there really are fears of being bullied or or judgment or any of those things, especially at a time like 9-11, when that story was more relevant of of certain people. And and yeah. So it's interesting. I'm I'm like indifferent about the that Hazel storyline, that particular one, because I recognize what it is, but I also recognize, and again, look, we're in 2021, how mishandled (laughs) it really was and how much better it could have been. And the thing that will really bother me though, is when people act like I wrote that story and like, as if I was like, I directed it and produced it or something like as if I showed, I presented it and pitched it. It was like, I, I had nothing to do with that story. Yeah. You're like, I was 15. Like, I'm I'm the, I'm just the puppet. That's all I am at that space. Like that's it. And so, and I'm like, please do not forget that I am both black and a female. Like I hate when people are like, why didn't you, uh, are you not seeing that I'm a double minority? Have you ever been in a situation where somebody was able to speak up and get respected and things changed? I'm like, I I could be tripping, but in my lifetime, no, that's not the case. So in that moment in itself, I'm always like, it really is polarizing for people. People are either like, oh, I love that episode or people are straight up like, you're at fault for doing this storyline that I don't think was correct. And I'm like, me, a teenager at the time, was at fault for portraying a storyline written by a bunch of white men? Like, what? I'm like, no, I don't think so. But, you know, you live and you learn. Yeah, I think we can give the actors that participated in things like that, that, like, in 2021 are, like, have not aged well or, like, kind of are, like, like, yikes, yucky. I think that we... That we meaning the, the audience, the people who don't get it, the muggles, as I like to call them, who don't understand the way that like film and like television, television and, works, and yeah. you know, whatever theater even works. It's like we, the actors, don't really get a say in much. Like we don't what? get not at all. A fucking like, say at all. <laughs> it's interesting. My friends and I discuss this a lot of actors getting the blame often for things that have nothing to do with them and people not recognizing that actors are like a bunch of hoes, you know, like actors are just doing what they can, like they really are. And, and art is unique in that way that you could play a role that you love in a project. That's not that great. (laughs) Like you could easily be in a play where you're like, Oh my God, I think this character is fantastic. It's too bad. This writing is so poor. Like, I feel like I've done every single thing in the sense of like, I played roles that I adored in projects that I was like, I'm not so sure. I've I've done vice, I played parts that were like, okay, I don't know, in a project that was great. Like, you know, and, and I think the one thing that I know for sure is that that control is just not there. If you can get a director or even a writer or producer that respects you, first of all, and then respects you enough that they actually want your opinion on some of the character developments or what's going on. Incredible. But that is like the exception to the rule. That is not oftentimes the experience that you're going to have. And I think people really don't recognize that. And I I do. I honestly think it's truly unfair the amount of questions that people will give you as if you wrote it. And one of my friends who was on Degrassi with me, we always joke around about that, that we're like, 
I realize people think we woke up and just showed up to set and improved our way through these episodes like that, that we just like made up the lines just based on the questions alone that people give us is, is like, people are uh, so ignorant. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> and it's so, it's interesting. Cause you're like, yes, I completely get the fandom. I completely am appreciative of being on a project where people are fans to that extent that they care and they can remember storylines in that way. But then at the exact same time, I'm like, I, what? <laughs> like, I think about myself, I'm like, I wouldn't ask Brandy, like, why it was so multicultural in the Cinderella story. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that to her. I wouldn't be like, hey, so storyline-wise, why did that happen? If anyone is mad about that casting, <laughs> like, send yourself directly to hell. Like, that casting <laughs> is perfect and should not be touched. I love that cast. I think Bernadette Peters is stunning. I think Whitney I mean, mopped. it's the best. <laughs> uh, so good. So yeah. good. What was a moment that you felt like the most free in your acting journey? Probably when I made Black Actress. Uh, the first season, I think, uh, definitely just maybe the day before set. We always kind of film it or bits and pieces of it near my birthday, which is in the summer, which is August. And so... Are you a Leo? Yeah. <gasps> Same. <laughs> When's your birthday? August 18th. Mine's August 15th. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Leo's. I love it. So we always kind of film it coincidentally just around that time. And that's really just because of availability of a lot of people. But I remember the day before we were going to film, one of my aunts, we were filming in Brooklyn. She had a birthday party for me. And and I just invited everybody, like my friends and even people that were going to be on our set that I didn't necessarily even know like that. And I remember it was truly the first day that I really f- could recognize feeling in control of my own journey in every way and just glad to be doing it. And I think this business is really hard and you can really have moments where you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know who controls it. I don't know where it's going. And it can feel so frustrating. But the moment that you have, if any, or many that you could have of being like, no, I I know I'm steering it. Like I'm actually in the driver's seat is probably, yeah. I mean, it's like top five of like endorphins of like emotions that are very, very good. So that's probably the one time that I can really be like, yes, this was it. Yeah. For me, it was when I shot my music video. Like I, I did a, I did a music video that was like, I was feeling kind of defeated after losing Bring the Funny, which was like a NBC comedy like talent competition. Yeah, the moment I felt that freedom was shooting my music video because after I had like gotten eliminated from Bring the Funny, I was just like, well, I'm not going to let that like knock me down. I'm going to like use one of the songs that I didn't get to do on the show and make a music video of it. And like I hired like all of my friends and everyone that I worked with on it was beautiful. And like mm-hmm. everything that day, like fell into place. My dad was like super supportive. And like brought us a bunch of snacks for crafty. Like, it was just, like <laughs> I felt that sense of like, wow, like it feels really good. And plus also like as a Leo, I was like, I am the star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, it does two things for you. It feeds your Leo ego. Plus you're also taking control, but I'm an advocate for that. I'm like, if you are feeling defeated, Find something to create. Creating makes you like, oh, I'm okay. I'm back. I know why I am doing this. I think that's what makes child actors that are still in the business so unique is because you have to get to a space in this business where it's your choice now. This is no longer the choice of whomever before that just thought you were cute or just thought you were interesting or just thought you should be here or just like the money, whatever it would have been. You as an adult have to now say, okay, what does it take to remain in this business? What is it going to take for me to survive in this business? And creating or having an attitude where you're, you recognize you can say no, or you don't have to do something, or you're not desperate will make you just feel a thousand times better in my experience. Yes. We've come to my favorite part of the podcast where I ask all of my guests, who was your Matilda? Who was your Matilda? When I was a little kid, the first time I saw Matilda, I felt very seen and I was just like, wow, like that little smart girl who is also a witch, like Mm -hmm. I relate. (laughs) So for you, what character was that? When I think about who really made me feel seen, 
honestly, was probably Tia and Tamara in their show when they were little girls. Because it's like, whatever, they might have been like 14 or something, 13 in the show, and I was a little kid. But they were these Black girls in the suburbs. They were just trying to live their lives. They had curly hair. And I honestly just was like, is this show made for me? (laughs) I was like direct audience. And they were in like junior high and they were going to be going to high school. And even when they, like I always tell people, I'm like when they went to college, all of a sudden they straightened their hair. That's when I was like, okay, my hair needs to be straight now. Like I was just full blown Tia and Tamara fanatics because they really did feel like there was no like pressures of how they had to be. They just got to feel like girls on TV growing up. And there wasn't a lot of shows at the time that also just reflected that, like, that experience in that way where you were just like a a girl that was living (laughs) your life. So they were definitely my, but then I'm like, I feel like I have tons. Like, even like I said, Brandy being Cinderella, that is still to this day is like my fave. I don't know. I'm like, my eye has always been like that since I was really, really little of looking for people that either reflected somebody in my family or reflected how I saw myself, something. And so if I could see any, even an inkling, I was like, oh, I'm obsessed with this person. Yeah. Well, we Leos love a mirror. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yes, exactly. You're like, that's me. Gonna watch all the time. <laughs> I think that's why I was so drawn to Degrassi too, because Manny, I saw myself in Manny, you know. Definitely should have. I mean, she's half Filipino. So yeah. like, that's, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And then Ellie too, because I was just like, so like gothy at the time and, and seeing like <laughs> a cool, like gothy girl on TV. I was just like, yeah, that's representation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Tia and Tamara, I had such a big crush on them both, like in Sister, Sister. And then, of course, in 17 again. Yes, they always talk about it. (laughs) Oh, my God. So good. So, I mean, I loved all of those Disney Channel original movies. Like, that is like a special part of my childhood, too. Like, my sisters and I loved Cadet Kelly. Like, I mean, we were all obsessed with Hilary Duff. And the other one that we really loved was Pixel Perfect, which was like the hologram rock star one oh, with yeah. Raviv Ullman. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Those are like cultural checkpoints, like for me. Like, just like, where was I when I watched Cadet Kelly? And I think for everyone listening, like, we all know that. Cadet Kelly is just queer representation and it's best. Do you know that I only learned that? I only learned that basically from TikTok because it's like a lot of people were like, that's when I learned that. And I'm like, how? What? 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 And I it was realized. Christy. It was Christy Carlson. Yeah. Mom. I'm like, I, feel, I wonder if she knows that. I'm like, I want, I don't know if Christy actually knows. Because that it was literally my first time this year hearing that. And I've been recognized for Cadet Kelly forever and ever and ever. And people always talk to me about it. And I'm, so I'm like, that is my first time from reading comments of multiple people being like, that's when I learned I was gay. That's when I was like, how? Why? What are you talking It's about? literally, I am telling you, it's because of Christy Carlson Romano specifically because she's such like top energy, such like, you know, <laughs> dominatrix energy in that movie that I think for me, at least seeing that and seeing her being so like strong, I was just like, ah. <laughs> oh my God, I'm scared. I'm scared and I love her. <laughs> well, I honestly, I found that to be like the most interesting thing about it, that it was like universally, there was other people who felt this way. I think it's really unique. I'm like, wow, that, wow, how interesting. <laughs> it's It's been wild because too, like I, I also get a lot of messages from girls and like, non-binary people being like your character in school of rock like did something to me like it was my queer awakening and I was just like how I had five lines I was very quiet and then they were like you're a bassist and you're a girl and I was just like fair okay (laughs) yeah I guess exactly it's like you don't know what you're doing you're just being and somebody else is like literally just doing what I was told pretty much dissociating through the whole thing because I was so nervous that I was gonna like fuck up the movie and (laughs) like and then of course everyone was like wow I really resonated with your character I was like what character (laughs) I was just kind of being myself <laughs> but thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> See, and exactly. That's what being a child actor is like 101 is that somebody is like, whoa, when I watch that and they're like, what are you talking? What, what parts? Cause I didn't know my lines. I was a mess on that <laughs> set. I didn't know what I was doing. They're like, you were great. You're like, cause that's what it's like being a baby on TV. 
Yeah, and like watching stuff back that you were in is it's not like watching TV. It's like watching home movies. It's like watching like it's you're not remembering the scene. You're remembering like the weather that day and you're remembering how itchy the costume was and how oh, hot the mic pack was cuz you guys had to start, you know, oh, and yeah. stop over and over because of somebody messing up their line. Like you it's it's so You yeah. literally don't get to watch it and I always try to explain that to people that I'm like anything I've been in I barely watch and when I did get to watch that all I could see is everything else. This is like a joke within my family. My brother every now and again would do background on Degrassi. And so we would literally only watch for my brother. Like, even though I was on the show, we would be like, I think Anthony's in this episode. And we would only be watching for him in the back. And it's like, so storyline-wise, you're completely, you're like, what storyline? I'm fully missing it. I'm looking for that person over there. And so people don't realize that, that it's it's completely home movies. You are watching it, reflecting on every other thing that happened besides the storyline. <laughs> and like, you're also thinking like, why did they do this cut? Or like, why did they like, I, oh, they cut that line. Okay. Got it. Got it. Like, (laughs) okay. Oh, change that part. Cool. Good to know. Like so many other things that I'm like, I don't think I've ever been able to watch anything I was in like a person. I think my brain picks it apart and then only picks and chooses my memories at least of like the funny moments of like, oh, that was funny when we did that. Or that was really fun when we did that. Or I remember even I'm like, I'm tagged literally every day in like a Degrassi edit. <laughs> so many of them. I'm like, what? What is this? They're so what? funny. Yeah. Like, what moment is this? Edits there? are what? so fucking funny. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> but I never want to write that like, hey, my first time seeing this, this don't know what moment that is. <laughs> but I barely watch them. I'm like, I can't even watch this. I don't want, I don't want to hear my voice. I don't want to hear my baby voice. I don't want to see anything. I'm like, okay, like, good to know. Thank you for your effort and your time. And off I go. I don't know what else to say to you. Oh, so but people don't realize that. So I completely get what you're saying that you're like, what character? I wasn't a character. <laughs> I was a 10 year old <laughs> just doing what I was told. I was trying very hard not to stare directly into the lens of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> We've come to the next segment, which is where I ask all my guests to imagine that a younger version of themselves, I'm not going to pick the age for you, whatever age you see significant, is standing right before you. And what would you say to little you? I would probably say take the pressure off more than anything. Yeah, I think I put a lot of pressure on myself when I was a kid to like speed up the process of everything you're doing, especially people in this business, you, you've had your dreams for a long time, like longer than most people. And so you're hitting 12 and you're like, I don't get it. Why aren't I like queen of the world yet? Like, and that's because you've been thinking one thing for a really, really long time. It's evolved in different ways, but the basis of it is there. And I think a lot of people are like that. They just maybe didn't access it quicker or didn't tackle it or didn't recognize what it was. But oftentimes it's like my friends now will be able to say like, oh, I realize, you know, this job that I'm doing, I actually was doing a version of that when I was eight. I actually was doing, and now it just took me this long to get it. And, but I think for myself when I was young, because I was, I was like a very sure of myself kid and teenager, just like extreme level confident and really knew where I was headed and what I should be doing. And so I used to just have so much pressure. I feel like I almost was giving myself like a mild depression from just really wanting things to speed up and to like move on and to move quickly. And there's growth that needs to happen. There's actual like development that needs to happen. There's understanding and learning of yourself and your gifts and who you are that needs to happen. But you put so much pressure on yourself before that you're you're feeling like you could skip over those parts <laughs> and you can't. You really need them to just to just happen. So I kind of wish that when I was younger that I was capable of just being like in this phase 
and then recognizing that I was getting to another and being like, cool, this is great. Now, now what are we going to discover about ourselves here? What are we going to discover about ourselves at the next stop versus being like, everything needs to happen right now and applying a pressure that you're thinking other people are putting on you that they're not, or maybe they are, I don't know. And you shouldn't care about it. Just do you just live your life. You know who you are. Everything is going to unfold the way it's supposed to. So just be whatever it is that you think you need to be. Ugh. Beautiful. Beautiful. (laughs) I love it so much. Today I'm telling my inner child that it is okay to take a nap when you are tired. Yeah. Yeah. I did a lot of overworking when I was a kid too. And I was like, I would physically wear myself out to the point where I was just like useless. Mm -hmm. So I think I can see a nap in my future. (laughs) Where can people find you on the internet? On all my social media, which is for the most part, my name. On TikTok, it's Miss Andrea Lewis, but on Instagram, it's just at Andrea Lewis. So it's just honestly, if you just put in my name for the most part, you'll find my social media. That's how I feel. It will like pop up within. And I'm active on social. So I think that's the best place that somebody could find me for now. Incredible. Anything cool that you're working on that you'd like to plug? I'm working on a lot of things right now. I have a lot of pre-production stuff right now, like a documentary that I've been in pre-production for a little while, and then in the development of a feature. And that's exciting, but it's also like, because of COVID, I know people are filming, but I'm like, I'm still weary. (laughs) I'm still like, ah. So if I've been on a set in the last little while, I'm like really grateful to just be on it really quickly and like off because I'm just like, let's let things just sort of get back to normal before. Cause I, I'm like, I enjoy set life being close to people and being around people all of the time. And these, this new way is not as comfortable. Yeah. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for our pandemic to end more than anything. Yeah. Let's just pray for more vaccines and more (laughs) access to them and fingers crossed. I mean, I don't know. Hopefully. I know, we'll right? It's feel that feels also like oddly around the corner. So it's kind of like what? It's so soon. It's sooner than we think. So, you know, speedy uh, vaccine to Canada and yeah. No, I mean to all over the world. That's the thing is that's why I'm like I still have my place in LA and so I can go to LA whenever, but I've just been hanging out in Toronto and when will the whole world have this so that we could all freely move around and only time will tell. And we can take the pressure off ourselves to try to predict when that will be. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on our show today. Thank you for having me. This has been lovely. Of course. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Where Are We Now with Rivka Reyes. Please check us out on Instagram at Where Are We Now Pod. And if you like our show, please leave us a review. If you leave a review and DM a screenshot on Instagram at Where Are We Now Pod, I will pull a tarot card for you. That's right. I might also give you some tough love. You might need it. Join our community on Patreon for BTS, spicy content, spicy pictures. Yeah, you know you want to get a picture of my sweet, sweet ass in your email personalized shoutouts, and more. Patreon.com slash Rivka Reyes. You can follow me at Rivka Reyes on Twitter and at Rivka.Reyes on Instagram and TikTok. Last but not least, I must give credit to our wonderful team of women. The music is produced by Elise Wattman, the graphics are designed by Marina Heinze, and the editing is done by our friends at WeEditPodcast.com, which is a women-owned business. So cool. We love to see it. Finally... Just know wherever you are in your life, physically, mentally, spiritually, you are loved. Get used to it, babe. See you next week.